Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Jamat Karsandu from Toronto in Canada, coming to you after a busy weekend of combat sports, and it's only going to get busier, ladies and gentlemen. UFC 263 is just around the corner, but we had a bit of a double header this weekend with UFC on Saturday night and Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul on Sunday night. Yes, we are going to talk about it uh, because it, it sort of fell into our combat sports radar and uh, I'm actually doing this podcast Sandu on zero hours sleep the time as we hit record on this is 4.12pm on a Monday afternoon I haven't slept since the Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul fight which finished about 5am um, and I am hanging right now so uh, I'm so glad that we haven't quite made it to video yet because <laughs> I think I, I, I think YouTube might just take us take us take us off straight away. But uh, how are you, mate? How's it been? I'm good, and it's funny because normally we have that Sunday buffer, don't we? Where we can recover, we can we can digest what happened on Saturday night. Saturday night traditionally is fight night, both in boxing and in MMA. And here we are recording this podcast on a Monday, and we're both a bit tired because you know Mayweather Paul was the big you know, event this past weekend in the combat sports world. And it ended up pretty late last night on, on a Sunday night. Then there's obviously post-fight press conference and the fallout. You know, you've got articles to write and all sorts of stuff, right? So here we are. Now, this is why we record the podcast on Monday and not Sunday, because there's just no way in hell we'd be able to really, you know, coherently have a conversation for an hour talking about mixed martial arts and things in combat sports if we were doing this, you know, after our usual shifts on a Saturday night. Oh, I am an absolute shambles today. Yeah, we uh, did a live blog in about five, four, five, maybe six stories straight after the fight. I finished at 7am and I was like, right, I'm going to go to bed. And then the whole family woke up. It's a school day. We've just finished half term. Our oldest daughter wasn't that enthusiastic about going to school this morning. So uh, dad needed to help out and uh, dad was not in a very good frame of mind to be helping out. I thought, sod it, I'm just going to stay up. So uh Bleary-eyed, but uh, but pushing pushing through, pushing through. Let's kick off with the UFC Fight Night card that we had on Saturday, Sandra. Let's do this mm. sort of chronologically, if you like. Um, not the not the biggest card that we've seen from the UFC, but plenty going on. I mean, let's just talk about the main event very very quickly. Josino Rosenstroke versus Augusto Sakai. This was a fight between two guys who. One who was kind of a contender and has fallen away and needed to re-establish himself. And another guy in Augusto Sakai who was really looking for an opportunity to sort of gate crash the, uh, the upper echelon of the UFC heavyweight division. Well, that didn't happen for him because Jazino Rosenstroke came out looking super aggressive. And uh, when he heard the clapper at the end of the first round, decided to really turn it on and uh, got the buzzer-beating TKO finish with one second on the clock, 4.59 the official time, and that was a huge win for him. He really needed that, didn't he? He certainly did, Simon. That The way the fight played out was quite interesting because it was very much a feeling-out process, and I thought that's how the fight was going to end, and I was thinking, well, if there were fans in the arena, if this was a, a fight night card with, I don't know, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 fans, they probably would have booed both these men as they went to their corner and you know, sat on their stools because there wasn't a lot of activity over the course of the five minutes. Like you said, right up until the buzzer was about to go off and Rosenstrike had done what he's done for the majority of his career and just kind of land that big punch, 
gets the kick. It wasn't like the cleanest punch, but I think he kind of hit Sakai just above the ear on the side of the head, which kind of knocked the big man down and then finished him off and with, I think, maybe a second to spare in that first round. He needed that win. It was a big win. Uh, and I think the fight that makes sense, Simon, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think Curtis Blades. I think Curtis Blades is a fight to make. Obviously, he's coming a lo off a loss himself. He needs, he's in a bit of a, a rebuilding phase in terms of getting momentum going in the heavyweight division. It's a fresh, fresh matchup for both men. And I think it's the, the logical fight. You know, they're both kind of ranked up there, you know, well within that top 10. And, you know, like we've talked about last week, Simon, we know that Derek Lewis is fighting Nganu next. The Steve Miocic trilogy is right around the corner at some point later on this year for Francis Nganu, should he get through the Black Beast. And if the, if the John Jones fight isn't going to materialize by the end of the year, early 2022, if, they, if, if his camp and the UFC can't meet eye to eye in terms of the financials, then the UFC is going to revert to the next contender in line. And that's where there is massive opportunity in this heavyweight division. So to kind of keep that conveyor belt going and keep contenders rolling along, I think fights like Rosenstrike versus Curtis Blades needs to happen next. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, there's a bit of a danger that we could have a bit of a logjam at the top of that heavyweight division. But thankfully, it looks like, although we're not getting the John Jones fight that we're all hoping for, the division is moving. The division is moving along and uh, it looks like business is continuing as per usual. Co-main event was also a heavyweight fight. Marcin Tabura getting the win over Walt Harris. Put one in the Chamat Sandu prediction column for that one because I think you picked you picked Tabura, I picked Walt Harris and obviously put the jinx on him uh, who lost by first round TKO. The one other thing I wanted to mention before, before we sort of rip through and start talking about... Uh, the mayweather Paul fight and what's coming up this weekend. Tom Breeze was due to fight this weekend, Zandu, and I spoke to Tom on Thursday. And uh, I don't think I've spoken to him in, in and, and ha heard him so relaxed and confident and in such a good place uh, heading into a fight. Um, he, went, he went on a bit of a rant uh, about how bad things were on Fight Island uh, in his last fight against the Mariak Medov. Um, and he's normally not that sort of guy to sort of really open up and, and, and go for it, but he really did. He's, you know, it was, it was a really interesting interview. He was, and also then when I started talking to him about his fight this weekend, he seemed incredibly relaxed, incredibly, uh, optimistic, positive about what was going to happen on Saturday night. And then on Saturday night, we heard literally just at the end of the, the fight prior to his, that the fight was off the card. Uh, and it was down to an uh, undisclosed medical issue for, for Tom Breeze. Uh, there was a lot of speculation on the broadcast that it could have been down to a whole, a whole load of different factors. I want to go into speculating about, about what it could have been, but all I'll say is um, if it is a physical issue, then we hope that he gets healed up soon. If it is a different kind of issue, then we hope that he takes the time that he needs, gets himself in, in, into, into the right place because... Without doubt, he is one of the most talented mixed martial artists we've had to come from the country uh, over the last few years. And unfortunately, due to an unfortunate set of events and a, a few little setbacks along the way, he hasn't had the opportunity to really show it consistently in the octagon so far. Um, and I, I think there was a real hope that Saturday was going to be the day that really sparked off a run of uh, consistent results for him. He wanted to get more fights in by the end of the year. Uh, and he was really optimistic about about being able to do that. So 
for 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 whatever it was that happened backstage to happen would would have been absolutely crushing for him after everything that had led into this fight so uh you know i i just i just want to wish him well and hope that whatever happens next for him it all works out to his best advantage and uh fingers crossed we get to see him in the arts again soon Completely concur with everything that you just said there, Simon. And it was, it kind of caught everybody by surprise because the prelims were ending. And from a BT Sport perspective, you know, we obviously, you know, try and highlight main event, marquee fighters, title fights. But even if they're on the prelims or on the main card, we do make sure that whether it's, a, you know, pre fight or post fight, we try and highlight the Brits that are on the card, obviously being a, a UK and Irish broadcast partner. And, you know, I was looking forward to that fight as well. <laughs> we spoke about this one last week, right? And it was just so unfortunate, you know, Brendan Fitzgerald, Dominic Cruz and Michael Bisping broke the news as they were kind of heading into the main card. They had to shuffle the deck very, very quickly, moving the Ariane Lipsky fight to the main card. And yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any need for any speculation, I think we just wish him the best, wish him well, uh, both mentally and physically, emotionally. Hope he gets home to the UK and can be surrounded by friends and family, and and hopefully he'll give an interview soon and explain, um, you know what ha- you know what happened. Obviously, in his own time, like you said, take he should take all the time he needs um, to get over whatever it was that he went through. Um, but it's just really unfortunate, like you said, Simon. He's He's such a great talent, and he's it's just been you know a series of unfortunate events, and like you said, some setbacks in terms of losses in the octagon. But the potential is definitely there. He is such an incredible talent coming out of the UK, and just to kind of I guess um, trans you know transition into an unfortunate night for Brits. I mean, goodness gracious me, Simon! You know, an- an- another fight that we were talking about last week that we were really looking forward to. Um, was the fight between Alan Patrick and Mason the Dragon Jones. And, you know, it didn't go his way in his, in his Octagon debut. And here we are. He's looking incredible. I thought he was close to finishing the fight in the first round. He lands an accidental eye poke to Alan Patrick, who, after looking at the doctors and having some time uh, spent to recover, uh, basically says he's not able to see and, and can't continue. And that fight is declared a no contest. So all round, it was just a really sad, unfortunate and upsetting night for the Brits that were competing in Las Vegas. It really was. And uh, I know there were there were a lot of, there were some suggestions on social media that, that, that Alan Patrick was kind of was kind of he knew he was getting beat. And uh, there was a suggestion that maybe. He sort of was 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 kind of happy to take the no contest, and I was even asked about it during during the evening. I said, you know, do you think he was playing up on the injury? I'm like, these you know these are professional fighters, right? You know, they go in there and and beat other people up for a living and get beat up for a living. You know, these are some of the hardest athletes in the world. To turn around and say you wanted out of that fight is a hell of an accusation to give to any kind of uh, elite elite athlete, especially in 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 uh, the mixed martial arts realm. So. I'm absolutely not going to do that. What I am going to say is that Mason Jones has been incredibly unlucky. The first fight he had against Mike Davis was an absolute barn burner, and he just happened to be on the wrong end of of the judge's decision that night. These things happen. It was a really good fight. Mike Davis fought out of his out of his skin, as did Mason Jones. It was a great fight. This fight, Mason Jones did almost everything right. You know, 
Patrick was really uh, unorthodox and kind of uh, dangerous early on, sort of lunging in with big shots. Jones dealt with that really well, used his wrestling superbly, and then was absolutely smashing him on the deck. And it was just unfortunate. Eye pokes happen, um, and it's an unfortunate part of our sport. He did a great job, and he didn't get the win bonus for it. And it's 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 a shame. What it could mean, could mean, Sandu, is that his next fight could potentially be in front of a British crowd in the UK, and maybe that will be the moment when Mason Jones gets his first win in the UFC. And after two frustrating nights in the cage, maybe this will be the perfect the perfect tonic for him. And uh, we'll see what happens as the year goes on. But um, it's uh, it, it was an unfortunate night for both the Brits on the card. Mason Jones with the no contest and, uh, and Tom Breeze with his uh, fight being scratched from the card literally minutes before they were both due to walk. So... Uh, we wish them both well, and fingers crossed we'll see them back in the cage at some point later this year. That was UFC Night versus on Saturday, Sandu. And then on Sunday was the, the event that has really polarised um, combat sport. And we get this all the time whenever there's some kind of YouTuber kind of fight, celebrity boxing fight, anything involving the Paul brothers, Mayweather's exhibition fights have been like this for you know for a little while, and uh, it, it it drew a lot of attention. You know, a lot of media outlets were covering it. I was covering it. I was asked specifically, "Can you go through the night and cover this for us?" I was like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Um, so I sat and watched the whole thing on Sky Sports box office, um, and as an event, it dragged, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but. The actual fight itself surprised me. I'll be honest with you, Sandu. I'll, I'll go into a bit more detail in a bit, but I know I know you sat up and watched it as well uh, at a slightly more palatable hour. Um, what did you make of it? Because you've got this 50-0 boxer who is clearly beyond retirement age at this point. He's 44 years of age. You know, No world-class boxer should really still be going at 44. But he's not really boxing properly, is he? He's doing, and he said he's not. He said he's retired from boxing, but he's not retired from entertaining people, and he's definitely not retired from making money. And I think he definitely did the. He definitely did the second of those two things. Um, but uh, he was in there with Logan Paul, eight rounds, and it goes the distance. I have a take on this, but I want to hear yours. What did you make of it? Well, let me just firstly say I'm a massive pro wrestling fan, and I'm a massive fan of MMA and, and boxing as well. I feel as though there is plenty of top-level, elite-level mixed martial arts and boxing to go around. We typically get the biggest fights. More often so, we get them consistently in MMA, specifically in the UFC. In boxing, these things, you know how, how it goes. We're waiting for ages for Fury and AJ to come together. With, with, with events like this, Simon, and whether it's an exhibition, you know, this new subgenre of combat sports involving influencers and, and YouTubers and stuff like that. I'm not watching all of them. I'm watching a few, especially when there's some crossover action with big names in boxing, like a Mayweather or we've got, you know, Tyron Woodley coming up against Jake Paul. Those events for me are for the shits and giggles. That for me is how I approach these events. I'm not taking them seriously as a member of the media. I'm not taking them seriously as a fan, I'm going to tune in just to see what the hell happens. And I'm not surprised you were asked to cover this because there was incredible traction at this event. There was everything went viral on social media. I'm sure the the, the traffic for all the sites that were covering this 
uh, you know, was really, really high because Mayweather was involved and you've got one of the biggest YouTubers uh, and social media influencers in the world involved in this as well. And for me, I feel like coming out of this event, Simon, I feel like it's almost like closing the door on Mayweather in, in many ways. Can he do a few more of these? Can he do another one with McGregor or someone else? Maybe. I just don't think the traction will be there anymore. And here's why. When he had the McGregor fight, Simon, he finished McGregor, right? He stopped him. Referee st you know, stepped in and the fight was over. When he had the, the tension Nakasawa fight in Japan, he absolutely murked him, right? I think a lot of people that were paying, especially from the combat sports and the boxing side, or even the casual fans, you know, casual sports fan side, I think they were tuning in because they were like, you know what? I, I, I fancy watching Mayweather. And I want to see Mayweather knock out this big, blonde, heavyweight social media influencer that has this crazy imagination and, and, and wild idea that he can hang with Mayweather. And Mayweather didn't drop him. He didn't knock him out. Yes, there was no quote-unquote winner declared, Simon. But Logan Paul is coming out of this a huge winner because he can hit the narrative now, Simon, is he survived he went eight rounds with arguably the greatest boxer in of his generation yes there's the height difference and the weight difference and all that kind of stuff but come on you're floyd money mayweather you're telling me over the course of eight rounds you couldn't have dropped him or, or stopped him or knocked him out or something so i think maybe it's a case of mayweather's obviously in a decline he's in his mid-40s now he obviously isn't taking things as seriously Yes, they both made a crap load of money, but I feel like a lot of people, and this is what I saw in my timeline, especially people that bought the pay-per-view, felt salty about it afterwards. And I feel like there's only so far you can go. And I, you know, obviously, I think there'll be a massive appetite for Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, especially from the MMA community side of things. But I feel like with these kind of exhibition bouts and these kind of crossover events, unless you as a... A member of the audience as someone that buys a pay-per-view walks away satisfied it's going to make you feel salty and make you think twice about buying the next time around yeah absolutely and the the thing that got me um you you probably saw it on social media i saw it on social media and i was of a similar view i'll be honest with you there was the situation where you had Floyd Money Mayweather coming in at his heaviest at 155 pounds against a guy who outweighed him by 34 and a half pounds on the scale. He probably weighed another 10, 15 pounds heavier than that on fight night. And people were saying, well, what, well, what's, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, the size is not going to be a factor. And even leading into the fight, Johnny Nelson, uh, who is the greatest cruiserweight champion in history, uh, longest reigning cruiserweight champion in history on Sky Sports, uh, said said it won't make a jot of difference uh vidal riley who uh is a former amateur boxer for the for for, for the uk uh trained ksi against logan paul he was part of the sky team and he said it's not going to make any difference the skill discrepancy is so big the size would be a factor if the skills were even remotely comparable but they're not but do you know what Despite all of that, and I was of the view that, yeah, the size won't make a difference. The size did make a difference because Floyd couldn't finish him. He couldn't hurt him. 
this was a bigger, stronger guy who was able to take the shots much better than perhaps Floyd thought. And not only that, he made the fight dirty. He made the fight scrappy, which meant that Mayweather didn't catch him as clean as often as he probably thought he would. So, um, you know, there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of people who were, who were sort of crapping on the fight. And I understand it. If you're a boxing purist, this is not what, you know, this isn't for you. Um, and uh, people can get really salty about seeing something that looks like what they like getting more attention than the thing that they actually like. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's, it's, it's tricky sometimes when you see something like this and you think, well, hang on a minute. How is this guy who's had like one professional fight against the YouTuber suddenly getting $20 million or whatever he's getting to fight Floyd Money Mayweather in a total mismatch? Well, it's because he brings a lot to the table. He brings all the followers to the table and all of that stuff. So that argument can all be had, right? But when, when you get in the ring, then it's down to how does he do on fight night? And do you know what? He did bloody well. He's not going to win any world titles. He, he might not even win another boxing match for the rest of his life. But he went in there with Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather carried him for a few rounds. And then when it got to like five and six, I think Mayweather decided, right, I'm going to try and light him up a little bit, try and stun him and finish him late. Because he said before the fight, if I go and finish him in the first round, everyone's going to be really unhappy. We've got to give people value for money. So we knew that Floyd was going to just ease his way in, drag it through into the, at least the middle rounds before he really started connecting with shots. And he was connecting with shots, you know. He was hitting clean shots on Logan Paul. The, th the thing was, he was hitting probably a 200-pound man rather than a 160-pound man or a 170-pound man, you know. And that 200-pound man was able to take those shots. And that that's the long and short of it. Did he did uh, Logan Paul in any way compete as a boxer? No, nah, not really. If it was judged as a boxing match, you might have given him the first round, but that's it. You know, Mayweather won every other round if if you're scoring it legitimately as a as a boxing match. You probably give Mayweather all of them possibly, but the only one he had a real a real chance of getting was the first round. But beyond that, it was all Mayweather. But Mayweather couldn't finish him. And that's the thing. And that's the point you were making. And for me, there are now only two fights left for Floyd Mayweather to have. Number one is a rematch with Conor McGregor. Because at least then he's getting in there in a rematch that, that people would be interested in. A rematch that would sell. And the fact that Mayweather's skills, at least on, on the face of it, appear to be slightly on the, slightly on the decline, then makes the, the matchup with uh, McGregor just a little bit more competitive. McGregor will be better second time round, you would imagine. Um, so that's an option. And the other one, which is a fight that I think they should make, is the Jake Paul fight. I think the natural progression, if you're Floyd Mayweather, is to take the Jake Paul fight. Because I think that is a bigger selling fight than the Logan Paul fight. I think if Jake Paul goes and beats Tyron Woodley, then that fight is 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 a big money fight. If he gets beat by Tyron Woodley, then it's, it's pointless. But... Um, I think Mayweather's gravy train of mismatch exhibitions is kind of coming to an end. And the only one left is Jake Paul because the tension fight was ridiculous because he outweighed tension in that fight. That wasn't even a physical, you know, it, that, that, that was a physical mismatch in Floyd's favor, notwithstanding the fact that it was under his rule set, you know, um, the McGregor fight obviously was under his rule set against a guy who was a little bit bigger than him. 
uh, who was a superstar. So that was a decent enough matchup. This one this weekend was a kind of a freak a freak show fight, and everyone expected him to get the late stoppage. He didn't. And I think that now means that the clock is ticking. If Floyd Mayweather wants another fight, I think he needs to get it booked soon as for the end of the year. Um, but we will see what happens. But as an event, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. You know, it dragged on a bit. You know, the, the uh, I enjoyed watching Chad Ochocinco uh, have a go, the former NFL wide receiver. He had his debut against a, a bare-knuckle uh, fighter, um, Brian Maxwell who's uh, done a bit of MMA as well. Um, and uh, Ochocinco, I wouldn't say he looked good, but he, he held his own and did all right. And uh, that one was an exhibition that went a distance as well. But um, but yeah, I, I don't mind these things like maybe two or three times a year. But, you know, I, they, I don't think they will ever become the norm. You know, boxing is boxing. MMA is MMA. Bare knuckle is bare knuckle. This is kind of just like a little circus show that rides into town every now and again. And if the main event is compelling, people will buy. But I do think the clock is ticking on Floyd now. While I agree with you there, what about Logan Paul, Simon? Because obviously this is easily the biggest, again, quote-unquote win he was ever going to get from this situation. I mean, the only thing that would top him lasting eight rounds against Mayweather would be him dropping and knocking out Mayweather, which was obviously never going to happen but do you think he can and perhaps will parlay this into a few more events fights with other boxers or maybe you know in his post-fight press conference he talked about maybe you know mma there's always going to be the paul versus paul fight you know that, that you just know you can just tell that the, the seeds have been planted they're both going to you know, go on this journey in, in boxing and at some point they're going to meet and that's going to make a crap load of money as well. Um, but like I said, I mean, I think there's there's space for it. There's obviously an audience for it. You can That's, that's clear to see. Um, but if you're Logan Paul, what's your next move? Do you try and go the Jake Paul route and try and box an MMA guy? Do you... You know, say, hey, Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, you guys free? Like, what do you do for Logan Paul now? Uh, I'll stay well clear of Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. They would hand his ass to him in a, in a very <laughs> short minute. Um, the, the, uh, if I were him, because I, I think of, of the Paul brothers, Jake is Jake is the better boxer. I think, I think Jake has got a little bit more about him. I think he's invested more in into his into his boxing, and uh, you know. Again, he's not going to win any world titles either, but he's a serviceable boxer, right? Logan Paul isn't really. I think that if I were Logan Paul, I would go pro wrestling route. I think he's absolutely tailor-made for it. He's he's got he's got the right sort of body size and shape for it. I think I think he could be he could be a bit of a, a bit of a star. You know, he, he he could be he could be like a heel manager and occasionally get in there and, 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 you know, do a little bit, you know, he could be being trained in the background. He could, this is if he wants to do that. But the thing is his individual brand is so big. It won't fit in the WWE for anything other than like a WrestleMania appearance. You know what I mean? AEW, maybe you could do a little stint at, you know, have, have a short run in AEW. That might be a better fit for him. Um, but perhaps not quite as lucrative, but I don't know. I mean, 
it's I think I think his personality is more geared towards that. The one thing I will say about about Logan Paul, Jake Paul goes around calling everybody out and winding everybody up, right? And is an antagonizer. From what I've seen of Logan Paul, and I've seen a little bit of him now through his two fights with KSI and obviously his his, his fight with with Mayweather, to me he comes across as a, a reasonably decent lad. Um you know, he has had some issues in the past with some of you know some of the videos he's done uh, that have been decidedly questionable. Um, but I think he's moved past that now. Um, but he comes across to me as someone who is taking what he's doing very seriously. Um, in the main, he's very respectful. I think he bought into the pre-fight sales pitch and 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 all of the trash talk and all of that. But to hear the way he was talking after the fight uh, in the ring. He had nothing but respect for Mayweather and his team and all the rest of it. And I thought I thought that was really, I thought I thought that 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 told you a lot. And uh, you know, other people I know um, who have worked with with Logan Paul have had nothing but nice things to say about the guy. So, uh, for that point of view, respect to him. You know, he's. Uh, I think he knows that he's having the time of his life, and he's he's uh, he's he's riding it to the wheels fall off. Um, and all power to him. And. But I think for his next move, I'd, I'd love to see him fight Jake. I would absolutely love to see him fight Jake. But I, as, as you said, I think that's for a little further down the line. I think you slow you, you slow play that. You don't what, whatever happens to Jake against Tyron Woodley will not affect that. Whatever happens to Jake if he fights Floyd Mayweather will not affect that. All of that will be promotional material for when those two decide that they're going to put their chips in. And basically bow out of this thing with one final final confrontation, like for Avengers Endgame, the pair of them straight in there. Um, but yeah, I think I think uh, if I was if I was Jake, keep boxing, stay well away from all the professional boxers as you know for as long as you can, because once you're in with them, you're in trouble. If you're Logan, I would probably go down the I'd probably go down the pro wrestling route. What do you reckon? Yeah, that's a good shout. He made an appearance at WrestleMania. He was involved in this this year's WrestleMania, and I know he's got a good relationship with the WWE. And I agree with you. I think Jake Paul's, you know, the lane he's choosing to go down is is honestly for him perfect. He's not boxing boxes. He's boxing MMA guys, and he's taking a nice step up in competition. You know, from Ben Askren to Tyron Woodley that is going to be fascinating I'm sure we'll be all over that because obviously I think everyone agrees that it's obviously a much more competitive fight I think a lot of the MMA community feel as though Tyron Woodley's got this in the bag I'm not so sure personally um, because again it's a completely different sport and knockouts in MMA don't translate to how you can knock somebody out in boxing it ain't an apples for apples comparison and but what I do know is just given their face-off and kind of the traction that that got and I'm sure they're going to go all in on the hype and the promotion. This is going to be so fascinating to, to follow. And, and the big thing and the big difference between the Askren fight and the Woodley fight is this is going to be Showtime, Simon. Showtime sports, Showtime boxing. This isn't some startup social media app that's venturing into the world of combat sports. This is an organization and a group who have tons of experience putting on professional pay-per-view level events so i feel like it's gonna it's gonna you know be a nice transition and it's gonna look a lot cleaner i'm sure the undercard will you know have a lot of pros on there and and all that jazz um so i'm i'm really kind of interested to see how that one plays out and, and i'm sure we'll get that 
at some point in the summer. The, the bottom line here is, though, Simon, is Jesus Christ, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, these, these YouTubers, specifically the Paul brothers, have just, you know, come into combat sports and they've not only just made a splash, like they're getting the baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou, tweeting out, what are we doing wrong? I see it all the time from the fighters. How how come, you know, we can't make that kind of money? You know, where is there a YouTuber willing to fight me in the UFC and, and all the rest of it? And I, and I think one of my personal biggest takeaways when events like this happens, when especially when I see the reaction on social media, it's a reflection on the state of combat sports with the haves and the have-nots. And, you know... Will things change? Will events like this be the catalyst for change? Only time will tell. But I just think it's fascinating and curious to kind of see it online, especially on social media. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's interesting to hear athletes of the the stature and caliber of Francis Ngannou speaking so so openly about this, which we haven't really had from from the UFC champions in the past. So. I know Charles Oliveira has spoken about about the relative lack of money that he's earning as a, even though he's now the champion, and uh, now we've got Francis Ngannou saying, "Hang on a minute, what's going on?" You know, this guy has basically been taken off his uh, YouTube channel to step in there and fight Mayweather, and he's getting more money than I've ever seen. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, you would like to think that over time, the UFC's fighters will start to get a larger slice of the pie. Truth be told. That ain't happening until they until they unionize. I, I just can't see that happening until they unionize. But that is a that is a much bigger conversation for another day and one that has been had many many times. Uh, and as I say, until they come together as a group, I think the UFC uh, will quite happily move along with with things the way they are because uh, they are being hugely successful in what they do. Speaking of the UFC, Sandu, we have a big one this weekend. UFC two sixty three will be live on our screens on Saturday night with two world title fights at the top of the card. The middleweight championship will be on the line as Israel Adesanya takes on Marvin Vittori and the flyweight title will be on the line in the co-main event in a fight that could well give us another fight of the year contender as Davison Figueredo takes on Brandon Moreno in a rematch that I cannot wait to see. Let's just start at the top of the card and work our way down because it is all killer, no filler. You go all the way through the main card and then that that middle prelim card, they're all bangers. Every single one of them has got a story. Every single one of them should deliver something interesting. Saturday night is going to be a lot of fun and uh, Israel Adesanya gets the chance to close the show uh, against the only guy to have defeated him in the eyes of a judge because Marvin Vittori... Uh, went the distance with Adesanya and got a split decision defeat, which meant one of the judges obviously scored it in his favour. So Adesanya's probably going to go in there looking to uh, to really make a statement in this one and uh, get it done inside the distance. What do you reckon? Yeah, so asterisk on what you just said at middleweight, because obviously he is coming off a decision loss to Jan Blahovic. So plenty of judges um, didn't see him win that particular contest. But I think that's the, that's the story here, isn't it, Simon? It's Israel Adesanya coming off his first loss in mixed martial arts, his first loss in the UFC. To take a quote from his post-fight press conference, he dared to be great. He stepped up to light heavyweight, took on Jan Blahovic. It didn't go his way. And now he's back 
at 185 pounds. And I think the fight everybody was really looking forward to was him versus Robert Whittaker too. But Robert Whittaker wasn't ready in time. Izzy wanted to compete a little bit earlier. And then in steps Marvin Vittori. Now, I'll be honest. From a matchup point of view, it doesn't really do anything for me personally, right? I feel like this is going to be a fairly, I wouldn't say easy, but a comfortable fight for Israel to get through. The fact that he's already spent 15 minutes in there with Vittori has improved vastly since they first fought. I feel like he'll get the job done. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, well, what's the what's the interest here? It's him coming off a loss. It's him getting back into the octagon, tasting victory. There was the, I guess, you know, interview that Michael Bisping conducted between both men that was shown on the broadcast on Saturday night. Again, personally, didn't do anything for me. I thought it was a little bit cringy. It just, it wasn't working. Marvin Vittori, I feel like, is trying to do what he thinks is the right thing to do and, and jaw at Israel and try and get some pre-fight hype built up and promotion. But for me, this fight and this main event is all about Adesanya getting back to the weight class that he is the most competitive at, the weight class he is the best in the world at, and putting on you know, a showcase of his skill set and putting on a performance that will leave absolutely no doubt that he's a far superior fighter than Marvin Vittori. So that, for me, is the big interest in this main event. Yeah, 20-1, and one, uh, the one being Jan Blachowicz at light heavyweight. You can almost put that in a box, can't you? Because he took a, he took a step out of his weight class, out of his comfort zone to, uh, to give something a try. He went the distance with Big Yam, but didn't get it done. But as a middleweight, he's perfect. He's twenty and zero. Um, he's uh, he's defended defended the uh, the title three times in a row: Whitaker, Romero, and Costa. Um, and uh, the win over Costa was an absolute masterclass. Absolutely picked him apart. Um, great knockout win over uh, over Robert Whitaker. He obviously won the interim belt over, uh, with a win over Kelvin Gasolum, unified it against Whitaker, and then beat Romero in a stinker, but then made up for it against Paolo Costa. The question here, though, Marvin Vittori, he's, he's worked his way up, and he's managed to get the shot uh, at middleweight. What does this say about the middleweight division right now? Because Vittori is a solid fighter. He's very, very good. But is he the second best fighter in the world at 185 pounds right now. I'm not so sure about that. I think uh, circumstances have played into into the situation and Vittori now has a shot. The good thing for Vittori is he had that first fight with Adesanya um, a few years ago and that gives him just that little bit of a promotional hook because without that, I don't think he gets this title fight, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I tend to agree with you. I think he's going to get this one done, uh, Israel Adesanya. And I think he'll probably get it done inside the distance, probably with a late, a late stoppage in the championship rounds would be my pick. Is that is that along similar lines to what you reckon? Yeah, I think so. And 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 Simon, you hit the nail on the head. I think middleweight needs an injection of talent competition. Um, we need to get some fights going here to build contenders. I think in a perfect world for Israel Adesanya, he would have loved to have seen Darren Till get a couple of wins back-to-back -back because they would have fast-tracked Darren Till right into 
the title picture because you know i think him and izzy from a promotional point of view would produce some magic and that would be a big event obviously the Whitaker fight like i mentioned before the rematch that's the one just given Whitaker's form and just given what Whitaker has done since losing the belt that's obviously a massive fight you've got new zealand versus australia they could perhaps do that uh, on that in, in that part of the world you've got guys like you know derek brunson and jared cannonier they're maybe just a win away from maybe being in title contention too but i don't see that as you know moving the needle necessarily and then after that simon looking at you know the the, the top 10 it's like Kelvin Gastelum, lots of losses. He's getting a, a shot. Ed, Edmund Shabazian's number 10 right now, coming off another loss. You know, can Uriah Hall get a couple of more wins strung together and, and make a push? He's currently ranked at number eight. Jack Hermanson just got a win recently, but he's been alternating wins and losses as well. So it's tough. It's slim pickings. And I think that's why he made the move to light heavyweight. Because I felt like if he if he had defeated Jan Blahovic, light heavyweight is also a division that isn't exactly sacked right now. There would have been enough time and competition where he could have gone up and down and up and down and defended both belts um, and, and allowed both divisions to to mature and produce new contenders. But um, but I don't think it's something that we need to push the panic button on right now. I feel yeah. like for the next at least couple of defenses, if, if everything goes well through this weekend, Izzy will be okay. And then you know in 2022, let's see what what can happen. But like we talked about the heavyweight division. This is where there is opportunity. This is where if you're a top 15, top 20 middleweight in the UFC, man, get, get busy, get active, really push for fights and, and try and get a win streak put together. You know, Kevin Holland tried his best, came up short recently, but he was someone that they were pushing and he was joining at Israel Adesanya as well. So, yeah, um, I think for the foreseeable future, we'll be all right. And, and I feel like you'll, you know, get through this weekend with flying colors and uh, for me the mouth-watering pro prospect is definitely the, the Whitaker rematch because I feel like it'll be a lot more competitive than the first fight yeah I tend to agree with you and as you say not a lot of uh, new blood in that 185 pound division um it will uh, I think it's really up to Israel Adesanya now just how great he wants to be at 185 pounds if he gets the win on Saturday and then goes on and beats Whitaker he could be in Demetrius Johnson territory very, very quickly, just racking up those title defenses. So we'll see how it goes for him in the main event. Now, the main event is a decent matchup, but the fight that I'm really, really looking forward to is the co-main event, the flyweight title bout between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. They met, they met six months ago, Saturday night, when they face off in the rematch, will be six months to the day since they uh, faced off in that first meeting at UFC 256 in Las Vegas. It was a majority draw, which were it not for a, a point deduction uh, for a groin strike in the third round uh, for Davison Figueredo, he would have won the he he, he would have won the uh, won the fight and retained his title with a win. As it was, he retained his title with a draw. Uh, but Brandon Moreno was outstanding in that matchup. He he gave everything he could, uh, took Figueredo's best shots and came firing back with good shots of his own. It was one of the fights of the year, and uh, I don't see any reason why we can't be looking at a repeat. Uh, the fact they know each other a little bit better, uh, and the fact that it was so close first time out, I think both of them will go in with a with a point to prove, and I think this one is going to be an absolute banger. And honestly. 
I can't pick it. It is harder to pick than a broken nose, Sandu. Who are you picking? Oh, my goodness. I don't know, Simon. I, I feel like I'm just going to lean slightly towards the champion. I feel like I can't remember the fight that this replaced. But isn't it amazing that back at UFC 256, this was a very quick turnaround for Davis and Figueredo. He, he, he essentially did the UFC a solid favor because they needed an, another title fight for that pay-per-view. And I think the turnaround for him was, I think, only a matter of weeks. In steps Brandon Moreno, for him also on short notice, having just competed, I think, either on the same card as Figueredo or perhaps just a week apart. And these two lads on the final pay-per-view of, of 2020 produce arguably the fight of the year, produce one of the greatest flyweight title fights, maybe even the greatest flyweight title fight we've ever seen. And all of a sudden, anyone that thought a few years ago that the flyweight division was dead and, and, and all that nonsense, here you have a great example of why you can't kill off this division because talent is maturing, talent is making their way up through the ranks into the UFC and, you know, Guys like Brandon Moreno and Davison Figueredo are putting on the kind of performances that they did, so much so that it ended in a draw, and here we are. And yes, the marquee you know, fighters are going to be Israel Adesanya and, and Nate Diaz, but for the hardcore fight fans, this is the one that everyone is looking forward to. It's unfinished business. We need to settle the score. We need a definitive winner this time around, Simon. Perfect scenario, perfect story, perfect narrative. I can't wait. And going back to your answer, your question rather, I'm going to lean towards the champion. I feel like, like I said, I think enough time would have passed where he would have um, made all the corrections to approach Moreno and he would have given himself a, a full camp um, to actually prepare for this fight. And yeah, I feel like he'll get the job done. But I think it's going to be an absolute barn bun, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think if you put a gun to my head and asked me to pick, I'd probably go with Anne Still. But it is such a good fight. The fight that that the original matchup replaced at UFC 256 was PTM versus Aljamain Sterling. That was that was the fight that we were supposed to have. Uh, and PTM had, uh, I think, I think he had visa issues. Um, it was, an, it, I think, it was reported as personal issues initially but i think it was later uh revealed to be uh visa related and uh he he wasn't able to uh wasn't able to to make the fight so they then put that fight back and of course we know what happened when that one finally uh finally hit the cage so uh and and we'll hopefully see a rematch of that uh later this year but yeah not a bad not a bad backup fight was it absolutely brilliant fight between uh between figueredo and moreno and um I'm really looking forward to this rematch. It should be an absolute banger. Now, two five-round title fights is normally enough for a UFC pay-per-view, but we've got a first on Saturday night because we have a non-title fight at welterweight that will be contested over five rounds as well. Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz was due to be a co-main event a few weeks back. If The fight got bumped down to this card. It is a little bit earlier in the night now. It is third from top of the card rather than the co-main, but it will still be a five-round fight. This is a huge, huge fight at 170 pounds. It is the biggest fight of Leon Edwards' career. And uh, for Nate Diaz, it's the chance to do what Nate Diaz loves to do, which is completely gate-crash the party and throw a spanner in the works of everything that seems to be being planned right now. If Leon gets the win, 
he surely, surely has to fight for the belt next. Uh, in an admittedly quite crowded welterweight division, he's got the he's got the resume. If he beats Nate Diaz, especially if he can get the finish, then uh, there really can be no argument against him getting a title shot next time out. But we know what Nate Diaz is like. If he draws you into a slugfest, it could turn into an absolute barn burner. Um, I'll be honest, looking at the fight on paper, I think Leon Edwards has got all the advantages he needs in this fight. The only thing that he needs to make sure he doesn't do is just get drawn into a toe-to-toe war. I think if he fights smart, I think he lights Nate Diaz up and uh, busts him up and probably stops him late. But uh, this is a big one for him. And uh, if he comes in in top form, I think we're going to be talking about Leon Edwards' uh, title contender, as if he isn't already. Uh, He should be getting a title shot after this one. What do you reckon? Let me table the ramifications of this fight to the side for one second, Simon. I'll get to that in a second. Let me just say this first of all. This is an absolutely massive fight for Leon Edwards. He has not fought someone that is arguably one of the top three, top four biggest draws, not just in the UFC right now, but arguably in UFC history, right? If you look at the the pay-per-views that Nate Diaz has been a part of, million plus, right? Some of them touching close to two million, right? He, he, he is a big, big draw and a big deal, and it's why the UFC have allowed him to compete in this contest in a non-title fight, not even in a co-main event slot. He, it's just the third fight on the main card, and it's a five-round fight. Massive fight for Leon Edwards. You compound that with the fact that this is going to be a big UFC event in general with two title fights in Israel Adesanya. The bottom line here is, Simon, there are going to be a lot of eyeballs on Leon Edwards, which is a good thing. Because I feel like he's put in the work. He's got this incredible win streak. He's incredibly talented. The last time he lost was to Kamara Usman. But because he's never been the most vocal on social media or doesn't really kind of get into uh, you know, a war of words so much, you know, doesn't do that much media really uh, you know, outside of, I guess, broadcast partners and, and, and a few other outlets here and there, you know, he, he's never had that, you know, that personality that's kind of transcended uh, to where casual fans know who he is or, or pay attention to him. A fight against Nate Diaz on this card will allow people to perhaps appreciate what he brings to the table as long as he can deliver the goods and as long as he can do the business. Like you said, Nate Diaz is so damn durable. He can definitely draw you into a slugfest, right? So Leon Edwards is going to have to be very, very careful um, about you know how the fight goes over the course of the 25 minutes. Now, am I picking Leon Edwards to win? I absolutely am. This is going to be a very, very tough fight for Nate Diaz, and I take my hat off to him. You know, he only takes tough fights. You know, when he fought Jorge Masvidal a couple of years ago, it's a Jorge Masvidal that was absolutely on fire. You know, when he when when he's you know fighting these guys, they're, they're coming off hot win streaks. He's, he's never really fighting anyone that's you know on the downward spiral of their career or anything like that. So, going to be a tough one for Nate Diaz, and, and all the respect for you know to him. Uh, to stay active, to stay busy. You know, this isn't like, you know, the big money fight. This isn't a rematch with Mars Dar. This isn't the trilogy fight Conor McGregor is against Leon Edwards. Now, let me go back to what you talked about in terms of title opportunities and being in title contention and ramifications. There's been a narrative over the last couple of weeks, and I believe this is something that, you know, Dana White's talked about himself, where it looks like, Simon, Colby Covington is next in line to fight 
Kamaru Usman for the UFC Welterweight Championship. Well, okay, the UFC haven't made that official just yet. Let's keep an eye on you know how this fight week plays out because if you pay, if you look at track record, look at history, try and pay attention to when the UFC makes announcements. Now, could they wait until the following week to see the result of Nate Diaz versus Lean Edwards before they make an announcement of Kamaru Usman's next title challenger? Yes, they might make an announcement this week, and you know you, you'll have to, I guess, you know. What's the, what's the terminology? Read across the lines or read through the lines in terms of what read that means? Yeah. Read between the lines in terms of what that means. I feel as though if Nate Diaz wins, he could, he could trump Colby Covington and, and, and get that title opportunity against Kamara Usman. And, and you can make a very strong argument in case for that. Well, he just destroyed this incredible win streak of... of Leon Edwards, who everybody was clamoring to be fighting for the title already. If Nate Diaz beats him, boom, you get thrown to the front of the line. And I'm, and I'm sure Kamara Usman would take that fight all day long. Fresh matchup. Like I mentioned, one of the biggest draws in UFC history. And oh, by the way, Kamara Usman would be just the heavy favorite. Uh, and I'm sure that would be a, a fairly easy night's work for him, right? If Leon Edwards wins, Simon and you're the UFC, then you've got two potential rematches on your hands. Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington or Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards. And I think we're all uh, you know, very you know, smart to assess that the one that does better on pay-per-view, the one that draws more money and moves the needle more is the fight involving Colby Covington, right? As sad as that is to say, we want the Brit to get the opportunity. And I say all that, Simon, to say this. I don't think Leon Edwards needs to even think about anything beyond this weekend. I think just be given how the Bilal Mohammed fight ended, he goes in this weekend, he has some fun, he, do he does the work, he puts on a strong performance, he collects a nice payday, he gets a lot more eyeballs and hopefully some new fans that pay attention to him and his career moving forward. And let's see where the chips may fall. In, in in the in the aftermath of this weekend that's my assessment of everything what do you think yeah i like it one potential angle to that just to add to what you said is that the ufc are very good at playing fighters off against each other as well and and colby covington uh has kind of held out for a title shot for a while um and if leon edwards gets the win well it does actually whoever gets the win immediately can be put alongside Colby and then you've almost got a some sort of reverse bidding war going on because the UFC know that they have a dynamite title fight whether it's Usman versus Diaz Usman versus Edwards Usman versus Covington and they can they can pick whichever one they like because George Masvidal's knocking around Masvidal versus D Masvidal versus Diaz could happen again Masvidal versus Edwards is a fight with a hell of a backstory that hasn't been booked before. That's an easy booking, right? Masvidal versus Covington is dynamite, right? So when you put Masvidal in the mix as kind of a, a consolation prize almost, you know, okay, who this guy isn't going to get the title shot, but they're going to get Masvidal in an absolutely huge fight, possibly on the same card. That would just be insanity, right? So 
Uh, I think the UFC are in a great position here because what they can do, if I were them, I wouldn't announce anything on Fight Night. I would announce nothing. I would keep it all on the down low and just see what you're playing with uh, after after Fight Night. So, okay, we've got Colby. Colby's in the bag, right? We know he's there. We know he wants a title fight. He's been waiting for it. Then you've got Leon. If Leon wins, Leon has got a hell of a track record. He'll have a win over Nate Diaz if he comes through this weekend. And then it's a case of, okay, which one of you wants to fight the most? Or which one of you uh, can we pay the least to put this fight on? Uh, because you know that whoever doesn't get that fight, they can give them the Jorge Masvidal fight, which may be every bit as big, if not bigger, in terms of fan buzz because of the backstory. So I don't think, I don't, you know, you could perm any any sort of uh, any outcome really, and I think the UFC are onto a winner. Usman gets himself a title fight, and George Masvidal is going to be in a huge fight uh, against someone who he probably doesn't like very much. So it's going to be it's going to be great, whichever way it works out. And uh, I can't wait. And I think I think Leon gets the job done. Um, and I think that the great thing about this, even if Nate Diaz loses. The Conor McGregor fight is still there. The Conor McGregor fight is still there for Nate Diaz. As things stand right now, Conor McGregor is about to take on Dustin Poirier in a trilogy fight. If Conor McGregor wins, we all know what's going to happen. He's going to fight for the belt next, right? But if he doesn't win, if Dustin Poirier beats him, then we've got McGregor Diaz 3. And it doesn't matter if they're both coming off losses because that is a fight that will sell. It doesn't matter when you book it. That would do dynamite numbers. It is a pay-per-view headliner. No belt needed. The UFC are actually, if you take a look at all the chess pieces and the potential matchups that they've got, just around this welterweight title picture and sort of the periphery, there's so many big fights. So many big fights they can make. And it will all start to take shape after this weekend. Um, it's an exciting time for the UFC at £170. And another thing that's happened as a result of this fight being bumped back to this this weekend as opposed to a couple of weeks ago. Leon Edwards and Bilal Mohammed are on the same card, which is kind of insane. You know, Bilal Mohammed wanted a rematch, was completely within his rights to want a rematch after the uh, the uh, the very unfortunate eye poke incident that, that rendered that fight with Leon a no contest. But Leon's gone on and has got the Nate Diaz fight, which was going to be on a different card. And the UFC have thrown Bilal a bone by giving him uh, Damian Meyer, which is a big name opponent, and an, op an opportunity to be a bit of a legend in the sport. But now they're on the same fight card, Sandu. They're literally uh, consecutive bouts on the card. Um, you know, they're going to weigh in one after the other. Or, you know, they're going to do the ceremonial weigh-in, sorry, one after the other. They're going to be around the fighter hotel together. Um, it's just a fascinating dynamic that we might see a little bit of on the uh, the embedded documentaries this week. Look out for that. That could be, that could be really interesting as well. Um, if we spin just past that to the opening main card fight, we have a Brit opening the main card, Sandu. Paul Craig is taking on Jamal Hill in a light heavyweight fight. This is a great matchup. Craig is in good form. Submission wizard. Hill is in good form. Uh, more of a striker. But it's a, it's a clash of styles. Both guys are looking up the division rather than looking down. And... Uh, it's. I think it's a great matchup to kick off the uh, the pay per view portion of the card. Yeah, I mean, Paul Craig 
three wins and one draw in his last four fights. Jamal Hill, undefeated. And yeah, you know, I, mean, I think this is a great opportunity for Paul Craig. You know, there's the, obviously the idea or the suggestion that there may be a, an event in, in the UK, perhaps in London, you know, later on this summer. Hopefully that happens. That'd be great. And so for all of these Brits that have been fighting abroad, you know, to get that clout to be on a card like that for Paul Craig and then to use that and uh, propel that and use that as some momentum to come back home and fight on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a card on British soil later on this year would be fantastic. But to have his hands full, not going to lie. Uh, Jamal Hill, you know, is a is a is a difficult customer. Obviously, doesn't have uh, the experience um, as Paul Craig does right now. You know, I think he's got I think um, half the number of you know professional fights that Paul Craig does. So perhaps Craig can use that to his favor. Uh, but yeah, great to see you know a second Brit on that pay per view main card. And, and, I, and I know you mentioned Bilal Muhammad, but you know. That fight with Damian Meyer, this is probably the last time we see Damian Meyer compete, Simon. Um, what a legend. One of the nicest guys in the sport. You know, he's been around for so long. He's clearly going to have some sort of career in either the media or in one, you know, one of the UFC's broadcast partners in Brazil. Um, but let's just take a moment to to realize that this weekend may be the last time we see Damian Meyer compete in the octagon. So all round, though, that main card is absolutely stacked and fantastic and got so many stories and every fight is so different to the other which is great um and there's some cracking fights on that prelim as well yeah very quickly drew dober brad riddell is going to be a banger at lightweight we've got unfinished business eric anders and darren stewart i'm sure everyone will remember the illegal knee from eric anders which just completely left everybody stunned uh, Darren Stewart clearly grounded. Eric Anders hit him with a huge knee. That fight got called off. They're going to run that one back. That's a big one for the dentist. Uh, Giant Calderwood is in action against Laura Murphy. And if she wins that fight, she might just be in with a shout of getting a shot at Valentina Shevchenko. Same for Laura Murphy, who's in excellent form at £125. And uh, Movsar Ivluev against Hakim Dawadu at Featherweight will open up the televised portion of the prelim card. That will be a banger. Evlouev is a real technician. Dawadu uh, is a superb striker. So that will be great. And even the early prelims, there's five early prelims. Assuming this fight card sticks to, stays together, this is going to be quite a long night with the three five-minute, uh, sorry, the three five-round fights at the top of the card. Um, but this is one of those where I don't think we're going to be complaining if this thing runs long because it's going to be an absolute banger of a show. And speaking of running long, Sandu, we've done an hour again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we should probably wrap things up and uh, tell people what they need to know before they uh, they disappear off and uh, get back on with their lives again. That's right. So the best place, like I always say, is the BritPackMMA.com. That's the BritPackMMA.com. That's our website. And if, on that website, you will find links to Apple and Spotify and my social media handle, Simon's social media handles, and the, the BritPack social media handles. For those of you that do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, rate and review us. It goes a long way in helping other people on the Apple Podcast platform find our show. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic and much appreciated. And finally, for anyone that likes YouTube, uses YouTube, I think YouTube has 2 billion active users worldwide. So I'm sure a few of you do use YouTube. If you can just do us a solid favor, go and find uh, the BritPack uh, YouTube channel. You, you'll find it on the website. If you go to my or Simon's uh, profiles and social media, we've got links to it there. 
like Simon said at the top of, sh of top of the show, we're not ready for video just yet, but we are working on it. We're getting things organized, um, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, but for the time being, there is an audio version of the show available each and every week, almost instantaneously as it's available on Apple and Spotify. So if you enjoy listening to your podcast on the YouTube app, whether it's on the background, on your laptop or TV or from your phone, we are available there. And if you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, that would be much appreciated as well. Yeah, and uh, it's, been a, it's been a big show this week, but we've got a big fight night on Saturday night. UFC 263 is going to be an absolute cracker. Get the beers in the fridge and uh, get ready for a big night of fights. And we will be back next week to talk about each and every one of those big fights on next week's show. Enjoy the fights, and we'll speak to you next week. <laughs>